All right, church, how are we this morning? Good, good. I'm Jeff, and I'm one of our pastors on staff, and if this is your first time here, uh, I want to say hello to you and uh, say I'm thrilled you're here this morning. Uh, We are in the last week of a series, so it's kind of like playing catch-up in the middle of a movie. If you showed up late, that's what it would feel like. So um, if you were here last week, what I'm going to do this week is sort of part B continuation to uh, Christy's conversation last week with us, and one of her final words with, with us was the word persevere. So how many of you guys have ever sort of felt like as you, you know, you grew, you got older, possibly became adult, adults, um, you, you sort of woke up with this feeling that um, you're not quite where you'd hope to be. Uh, and that's not necessarily like just for like, like true adults. That could, be, that could be anything. I mean, you know, even right now there are kids who are stressing out as uh, seniors in high school because they don't know where they're going to go to college yet. And we know that's not like the largest of things, but I mean, that's reality for some folks. Some folks feel like, I wish I, I would have already known where I'm going. And there's kids who go to college and they're stressing out thinking it's time. I should have already been further along knowing with what my, what I'm, you know, what my degree is going to be in and where I'll go from here. And we know that many of folks have gone on and got degrees and got in their careers. And at this stage of the game, they're thinking it's not where I thought I'd be in my career. Uh, I, I'm potentially feeling like I'm, I'm doing less than what my capacity, I think, is. Uh, you, you get married, and in marriage, sometimes you look at your marriage and you think, this is not where I thought it would be. I'm sort of unsatisfied. I, I thought I would have married this type of person, and you look at that person, you're like, eh, kind of not what I thought this was going to be or where we'd be. And there's just this feeling of just almost hopelessness that you aren't where you thought you'd be. Uh, you get kids, and you, and you think financially you'd be somewhere else, but then your kids came, and you know how they, 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 they steal everything from you, right? Um, <laughs> Uh, I have three, so I mean, you know, you think, wow, everything we have is going to them right now. My wife and I had a date this week, and we thought, oh my gosh, what would it be like if it was just us again? And we're like, we used to be so scared of that conversation. Now we're sort of starting to embrace that conversation. Um, So this morning what I want to do is I want you to look up uh, the book of Haggai. Uh, If you're new to Bible study, that's sort of between Zephaniah and Zechariah. I know that doesn't help a whole lot. Uh, so if you've got uh, a Bible or you, you'll turn yours on, um, you know, version again, another great reason why to have version the Bible app. Uh, just type in H-A-G-G-A-I, and then boom, you've got it right there. So we're going to dive into this book of Haggai this morning, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a background to help us grasp uh, where this conversation goes and, and, and seeing this conversation sort of where we are, a lot of us, with just waking up and feeling like I'm not where I'm at. And even some of you, you got God. You, you, you dive into this conversation with God. You dive into this relationship with God. And you feel like, I've been doing the God thing. Um, and was hopeful and even felt like I had these promises. And the church boasted about this is what it would be like. But that's not even really what I thought it would be. And so, what was going on back in the day when God raised up the prophet Haggai to sort of help the Israelites find their way back to God was really um, King Solomon was in his fourth year reign. And 
He had built the most beautiful temple the world at that point had ever seen. I mean, just think about the, the, the people and their enthusiasm for, look what we've got. So they've got this incredible church. People, people are worshiping God. They're, 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 they've, they've come from all over the world, all over the world to see this temple, to worship God. God's being honored. God's doing a great job, exactly what I wanted. And then over a period of time after Solomon dies, people, get, people got distracted. They got so distracted, they, for, they forgot God. They stopped going to the temple. They forgot God really almost completely and began to worship other idols, other things. And so over a period of time, uh, in exactly 587 B.C., God allowed a guy by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar to invade Israel. So here comes the king with his army. They invade the northern area of, of Judah, and they completely devastate Israel. Not only do they just devastate and, and, and take over Israel, but they also just, just totally annihilate the temple. And so not only are they devastated because of what's happened to them in their hearts, their homes, their culture, their customs, th- their temple, the thing that brought them so much joy and pride as a people was also destroyed. And so picture this, 50 years go by. 50 years that they are literally in captivity. It would be like, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Red Dawn, right? How many of you guys have seen Red Dawn? How many of you guys have only seen Red Dawn 1, right? Red, Red Dawn 1 is still the best, all right? But if you've not seen Red Dawn 2, it's good. Uh, if you've got teenagers, they, they think it's cool. So uh, if you've ever not seen the Red movie Red Dawn, it's, it's basically this picture. This is the picture of it. it it's, it's, it's this story of where... And, and a, an oppressive country comes in and decides to pick out several big, you know, states or big cities and take over these cities. Deals are made. People are somehow left in charge. But, but, but the other country comes in and takes captive. And, and maybe many people have run out, been run out of their cities, of where they were from and forced into live other areas. But basically, America's in captivity and for 50 years, they're, they're captive. So after 50 years goes by, God begins to raise up this guy named Haggai. And so all of a sudden, God in his, you know, his thinking and his ways allows Israel to begin to move back into its, its, its proper places, if you will. And so over 14 years, God allows Israel to get back on track and rebuild their temple, beginning to build their, their, their foundation, not only just for their faith back in God, but they built the foundation of the temple. They got the altar built. And after 14 years of getting all the foundations done of the temple, the altar completely done, all of a sudden, new oppression happens. The Samaritans show up, and they start rising up against Israel and all of a sudden, Israel, because, you know, maybe past wounds, some scars, some, some, you know, jadedness, they get scared. A little oppression from the Samaritans, they get scared and they quit. All of a sudden, they stop. And they begin to go back home and work on their own houses and do a great job of building their own houses and bu- build some beautiful homes. And so all of a sudden, God raises up the prophet Haggai, ultimately part of God's plan, to help them find their way back to him. 
So all part of God's plan. God allows these things to happen. They, 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 they turn away from God. God leverages stuff to bring him back to himself. So in Haggai, if you got that found, it's actually, if you don't have it found, it's the very end of the Old Testament, just a few books back from the very end. But in Haggai 2, God raises up the prophet Haggai and begins to speak through the prophet to the people. And this is what he says, Haggai verse, or chapter 1, verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say... The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. This is after 14 years of them building the Lord's house and getting weak in the needs, kind of by the weak but oppressive Samaritans. So I love this. I think this is kind of almost comical the way God, God says these people, right? All through the Old Testament, God refers to his people as who? My people, right? Years prior to this, God was in these shoes before where his people kind of forgot him. They were uh, in slavery, and he came to another dude, and he said, hey, let my people go, right? So I, I, I feel like uh, God a little bit here when it comes to how sometimes things happen to my house. When my wife looks at our children, and they've done something wrong, and she says, these kids of yours, <laughs> and that, am I, is that connecting at all with anybody out there, right? And I'm thinking, what do you mean my kids or these kids? Like, you were there with me when this, this happened. There, you, you know, it was there. It was fun. It was awesome. But you were part of that, right? Um, and so uh, God, is, God is frustrated with his people. And he refers to them as these people to Haggai, which God raised up for him to pass on this message. So he passes on this message, and he says, as they, they, he's wanting the temple to be rebuilt, and they say the time has not yet come. So why do they think the time isn't now? All right, what do you, what do you pick out of that story? Why do they think that with background, with this, why do we think the time is not now? What got difficult, right? D- doesn't that happen to us sometimes? When you feel like God's laid something on your heart, you know there's a, 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 a true thing or a good thing or a right thing that we need to do, and sometimes all of a sudden, we get opposition, right? We get like something that, 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 that pops up that's like hard, and all of a sudden we get a little nervous and we stop. So oftentimes what happens to us is when we find ourselves getting closer and closer and closer to the heart of what matters to God, the more likely we'll find opposition. You're tracking with me. Oftentimes when we're pursuing God in the things that matter most to God, it ought to, it ought, we ought to recognize that there's going to be opposition. In fact, I don't really get worried as much as I used to when I am facing opposition when I'm doing God's will. In fact, I get more nervous when there's no opposition when we're thinking we're in God's will, right? Because opposition's going to happen 99% of the time when you're trying to pursue something that's close to the God's heart. So opposition and difficulty doesn't mean God's against you or you're out of God's will at all. In fact, when you find yourself obeying God and it gets difficult, let me give you this reminder today. So if that's where you're at this morning, that maybe you've, you've kind of, you've, you've woken up and it's 2016 and you go, oh my gosh, this is not at all what I thought we'd be. You know, we, us, this, them, it. If that's where you're at, I want you to remember this. When, you're, when you find yourself obeying God, 
And it gets difficult. I want to remind you that, that what we need to walk away hearing this morning is this simple truth. We need to remember to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. So, God, basically, with your help, God, with your help, with what you've led us to do as a family, God, with your help, with what you've led me to do as a man, as a Christian father, God, with what you've led us to do with, you know, serving over here, being kind to that person, do whatever it is, God, to help point our kids to you. God, with your help, will you help me choose the hard right over the easy wrong? Because, because it's easy when things get tough to quit following God and serve ourselves. So it's like this. It's easy when someone hurts us to be angry and hold a grudge, right? That's easy. It's easy when someone just does something really, really, really hurtful to us for us to get mad and just carry a grudge with that person. It's hard and right to forgive others as Christ forgave you. It's easy to spend more. (laughs) It's easy to spend more than you have and buy what you want and go into debt. That's easy. Am I right? Can I get an amen, right? Right? Anybody ever been there and done that before? Been learning those lessons along through life? All right. But it's hard. It's hard and right to begin to climb out of debt and live below your means and massively be generous with other people. So here's the truth. It's easy to give up. It's so easy to not make a difference. But But the truth of the matter is, we are the followers of Jesus, and with the help of God, we will choose the hard right over the easy wrong. That's what God's called us to do. And that's what Haggai is trying to help the children of Israel to get back in sort of God's will and not allow this idea of opposition means we're not doing what God's called us to do. In fact, it means oftentimes just the opposite. So here's, here's, here's here's the question of the day. And think, think for a moment, have there, have there ever been a time in your life, whether it be yesterday, last week, years back, has there ever been time, a time in your life or times in, in your life that you can recall when God put something on your heart to do, some sort of unfinished task that he laid on your heart that's been unfinished, uncompleted. Something that God laid on your heart, some assignment in your life that you haven't done. It could be I was supposed to reach out to this one person that God kept on putting right in front of me. I was supposed to reach out to this person. Maybe I was supposed to be generous with this person. Maybe this is someone that God was wanting to leverage my story, maybe me share faith, my experience, my God story with them. But I didn't do it because it was hard. Uh, maybe it's I was supposed to start honoring God with my body. Maybe God kept on like leading you to a place to quit something or start something. Maybe it was to start exercising. <laughs> maybe it was to say, God, I'm not going to be in this relationship any longer because you've led me and put something on my heart. But God, it's, it's just hard. It's difficult. And so I didn't finish the task. I didn't follow through on what God said and led me to do. I was supposed to serve somewhere in church, possibly. God, you put this on my heart. I know you led me to do it. But God, it was just busy. Things were difficult. And God, because it was hard and not easy, God, we quit. 
on what you led us to do. I was supposed to be generous with this person. I was supposed to maybe even ask her out. <laughs> right? God, God, you, you kept putting this person on my mind. So when I was supposed to ask God, God, I didn't because it was difficult. So this is what's going on in that day and age. And I think it was the same sort of opposition, same sort of struggle, same sort of difficult things that kept popping up that allowed them to miss 50 years, 50 years of being in close proximity and being smack dab in the middle of God's will when all of a sudden something difficult creeped up in their life. And they chose the easy wrong over the hard right. So in Haggai chapter 1 verse 3, then... Because God's not done. God's still pursuing them. God's, God's, God's got them. God loves them. God has a plan to try to woo them back to be smack dab in the middle of his will to experience all that he hopes for them to experience. So in verse 3, it says, Then the word of the Lord came again through the prophet Haggai. And this is what God says. Is it a time for you yourselves be living, to be living in your paneled houses? while the Lord's house remains in ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Be careful or give careful thought to your ways. Right? So God's looking at unfinished business. God's looking at His people with, like, unfinished hearts. God's looking at people He loves with unfinished purposes, unfinished tasks, unfinished growth. And God says, do you think it's time for yourselves to be serving other things greater than you serving me? Is it time for you to serve yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? And he says, give careful thought to your ways. Evaluate. Maybe, just maybe, the reason you feel like you're far from God or not everything's worrying out, working out, maybe, just maybe, God's saying, you need to pause for a moment. Maybe, maybe it's not th- this opposition. Maybe, maybe it is just you stopping and failing to move forward on what you already knew that God led you to do. Think about it. Think about it. So here's the thing. In, in this passage, God's not saying they can't have nice things. That's, that's not it at all. That's not the point of this passage. God's not saying they can't have nice things, but we always know when it looks like that in Scripture, what God is saying, He doesn't want nice things to have us. In fact, at this point, what they're doing is they're putting their comfort and allowing their lives to be driven by fear. They're allowing their comfort ahead of God's house, God's priority. They're putting their comfort ahead of God's priorities, God's calling. And so it raises the question in light of any unfinished tasks, any unfinished um, assignments in your life with the question, are you putting your own comforts ahead of God's calling for you? Are you trying to make a name for yourself more than you're really trying to make a difference? Out of fear. Out of fear. Well, what if I stick my neck out too far and like, ah, this this is scary out here, right? No no one's traveling this path. This is kind of like... The, the past left's travel. Are you putting your house before the Lord's house? Are you being more consumed with yourself instead of being consumed with God and showing His love to other people? 
Now I'll be, I'll, I'll give you a little um, transparency in, in my marriage with Christy. Um, I've been now in some sort of full-time, you know, church work for a long time, since uh, 25 years, right? Since, since college days and full-time after college. And I was married directly after college. And I can remember in the early, in the many early years of our marriage, Christy was not just further ahead of me spiritually, but she was like light years ahead of me spiritually. And I can remember early days of my marriage, and I, and, I, and I think this is probably true with a lot of guys. I think we're a little slower, just like totally in general. <laughs> um, but I definitely think we're slower spiritually because I don't think we're quite as in tuned relationally, both with God at times and with even our spouses. And so I can remember my wife um, wanting, wanting me to pray with her more. Right? And here I am in, I'm full-time ministry. Like what Christian man and then Christian father doesn't believe it's right and best for himself to be spending time, you know, going to God in prayer for the marriage, uh, to know God, to pray over our children, to pray over what God's led us to do. I mean, who wouldn't, who wouldn't do that, right? But for me in those days... I was looking at things going, I mean, come on, baby, I'm a good Christian guy. In fact, I'm in, I'm, I'm serving God like full time. Look, look what we're sacrificing. God, look what I'm, and I'm telling God all the great things about me, trying to tell my wife all these great things when all she wants or serve me to hold her hand and pray with her longer, more. Now, I got to be honest, my wife, she, she can, she can just start praying and thanking and telling God how awesome he is, and that would be longer than me praying for every person in this room by name, right? So my wife has an unbelievable, like, journaling and spending time praying with God, and that's just, here it is, that's just hard for me. It's hard for me. It has always been hard for me to just stop doing what I'm doing and, and do the hard and right thing and just be the godly man and obey what God I know is the hard and right thing to do and not take the easy way out. So, so that, was, that was some contention in the early years of our marriage. And so this is what's going on here in this story. So in Haggai 1.6, God then continues to communicate through Haggai to his people, and he says to them in verse 6, you have planted much, like, you're, like kind of what I was telling Chris, you've done, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot already. I'm, I'm, I'm great, I think, in all these other areas. Can we just focus on those, right? So God says, you've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. Right, see, see all this symbolism here in life and in, in struggle and tension with following God, doing the hard right thing as opposed to the easy wrong. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Oh my gosh, what, what a powerful passage. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Modern translation, you're working your tail off, but you still feel, you still feel empty. 
You're, you're doing and pouring your life into a career that still feels hollow. You entertain ourselves. We entertain ourselves. You, go to, you get to go to dinner. You go to movies. You go to vacations. Yet there's still an emptiness. You have more than you've ever had before, yet you're still unsatisfied. That's, that's the translation of that verse. That's what God's saying then, and I think for many of us now, in light of maybe what God's already told you, maybe what, what, with what God's already been leading for you to do, maybe many of you have been where I was, and God has already pursued and given you some marching orders. And there's those things, there's those unfinished things in your life that you know God put that on my heart and I didn't do it. God's been putting all that, that on my heart, whether to serve my wife in this way, whether to go out of my way to, to be something for that person who, who needs exactly where, where my life and brokenness has been. They need my story. And so, Scripture says, give careful thought to your ways. Is there some unfinished assignment in your life? Now, look how loving God is in this next part of this passage. He tells them, basically, I love you, you're awesome, and now I want to give you three simple steps to find your way back to me. All right, this, 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 God gives them, like, he loves them so much, he gives them, like, three of the, like, almost most hilarious, simple steps that I've ever seen in Scripture. And this is what he says, Haggai 1. 7 and 8. This is what the Lord Almighty says. And he uses this phrase again. Give careful thought to your ways. And then he gives three simple steps. Now these are going to be, these are be like, this is going to be like heavy duty, like very complicated stuff here. All right? So track with me. First thing, go up to the mountains, bring down the timber, and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So this is what God tells them to do. God says, go up to the mountain, bring down the timber, and build my house. Now, I know, that, I know that's a bit overwhelming and maybe not enough time to take it in, so let me, let me just say it one more time to you. So he says, go to the mountain. You can stay with me now. Bring down the timber and build my house. And, and I know you're struggling with this still, so let me just illustrate it. So he says, go, go to the mountain. Like, go to the mountain. Bring down, bring down the timber and build my house. And here's, here's, here's how I think we probably see this in our own lives. We say, go up to the mountain. All right, I understand that, God. That, that's like, okay, go do what I've told you to do. But God, that's a big mountain. That's a really big mountain. And there's turns on that mountain. So, God, I don't really know how is the best way to get up to that mountain. But God says, go to the mountain, step one. Just, just, just go to the mountain. Bring down the timber, and your God, that's, that's, a, that's a, how much timber? 
Like, and is there going to be water on the way there and on the way back? And God's like, go to the mountain. Bring down the timber and build my house. We're like, but God, what are the steps for building the house? Where are the house plans? Help me with the house plans, God. And I think what we get into, we get in this, we get in this tug-of-war game with God when God lays out something for us, for, for us to do on behalf of Him. He's got some urgency behind it. He's got priorities behind it. But oftentimes, we get weak in the knees. God, I see steps one through, one through three, God. I see steps. I see go to the mountain. God, I, I understand that. I, I understand bring down the timber. I get it. I understand build your house, but God, I'm, I don't know what's beyond that. God, I would start following you. I would start doing these steps, but God, you got to give me more than that. God, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to do the hard right over the easy wrong, but God, I don't know what's beyond that. And you know what God says to us? God says, my word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. They're not always high beams. It's low beams. God's going to illuminate what's right in front of you oftentimes. God says, here's step one through three. Take one step, take step two, take step three, and then I'll, I'll illuminate more. But see, oftentimes we want to know what's way out further out for us before we start taking steps. And the question is, are we going to get to the place we say, God, you've given me my marching, my marching orders. God, I already, have, I already have from you what I know the good there is to do. And God says what? Go do it. Get started. You have to do what God showed us first before he shows us what's next. God, I really want to get in shape, but I don't know where to start. Step one, <laughs> stop eating poorly and eat healthy. Step two, get out, get out eight hours of sleep. Start three, start working out. God, my marriage is in a mess. I don't know where to begin. God, you have no idea how, how confusing and messy that God. Number one, humble yourself. <laughs> Step two, say you're sorry, ask for forgiveness. Step three, do what you did when you won him or her over. Write notes. Get, get like, like red in the face because you've kissed that you, your lips can no longer kiss any longer. Anybody remember that when you were married? Right? Do the things that you started doing first. God, I really want to get out of debt. Step one, get some good advice. Go talk to somebody who's smart. Step two, Spend less than what you earn. Step three, stop paying, start paying down your debt. This is what it means to walk by the Spirit and not by sight. This is what it means to start walking by faith. There is but one thing in the Bible that, that God says pleases Him, and it's, it's faith. Faith pleases God. God's not always going to tell you What's down the road? In fact, I would say 99%, nine of us here this morning, God's already given you enough for you to start going on. You just have to start taking the steps.
We want to walk by sight or we want to walk by the Spirit. So here's the thing is, this is, what, this is, this is, this is, this is the takeaway. If you want to jot this down today, this is, this is, again, like very, very complicated, okay? Ready for this one? The way to get started is to quit talking and start doing. I, I, know, that's, I know that's like, whoa, I'm so overwhelmed by that. I, I just can't, that doesn't compute. The way, the way to get started is to quit talking and start doing. You know the good that God's called you to. Now go do it. Go do it. Whatever God is, has placed on your heart that's some sort of unfinished business, whether it's an hour ago, you, you were supposed to say something to that person. Whether it was yesterday, whether it's been a, a month ago, whether it's been five years ago, quit talking about it and go to the top of the mountain. Get the... Get the, get the trees and start building God's house. Not tomorrow, today. The next thing he needs us to do, start it today. Be faithful with God today. So what happened with Christy and I? Um, I finally got to a place where I realized I'm in the wrong. I'm taking the, the easy wrong way in my marriage in this prayer thing with God so over several years in our marriage after several years of finally realizing like I'm a Christian man I have kids now and all she wants me to do is to take her by the hand and start praying with her I finally had to get to the place where I said you know what I just got to do it And I finally started taking Christy by the hand and laying in bed every night or every morning. I don't get it perfect, but I I, I pray with my wife now. And we pray over our kids, and we pray for our church. And can I tell you what happened to us? We noticed noticed that we argued less. (laughs) We we noticed that that there was a, a deeper emotional bond in our marriage. We, we noticed that, that things, when things got spiritually better, things got emotionally better, and oftentimes things would be physically better. That was supposed to make somebody smile in here. That was supposed to help some of the fellas out. Oh, thank you. All right. Here's the thing. When things get spiritually better, Everything gets better. Because when we do the hard right thing and we obey God, God's God just going, way to go. Good job. So here's the thing, church. I believe with all my heart, God has a plan and purpose for our lives. There's not a person who has a breath left in their lungs, that God's, God still has a plan for you. And God, God, God has a divine, great, masterful plan for you. Better, greater than you ever dreamt of yourself. Every one of us 
needs to say, God, I'm going to start following you no matter what. Remember a couple months ago we did a series and we repeated a statement over and over. We said, as for me and my house, we'll do what? We'll serve the Lord. No matter what opposition you are facing at this present, do not let it rob you of the hard, right thing that God's already called you to do. Whatever it is, think about what that is for you today. What is the unfinished task that God has been leading you to do? It could be small. It could be large. It could be several large and small things. And God's just waiting for you to finally step out of your comfortable place and say, God, as for me and my house, I'm going to do the hard, right thing and not get sucked in and locked in to missing your will by doing the easy, wrong stuff. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that today you would guide us, you would give us strength, God, you'd give us courage, God, you would illuminate to us what it is that, that we, that's unfinished that we're supposed to do. God, I pray that we would just not be hearers of your word. God, let, never let this church be the church that comes in and we hear and we don't act. God, I pray that we would experience your blessings. We'd experience greater faith. We'd experience just unbelievable presence by our walking by the Spirit and not by sight. God, give us courage today to step out towards you, not just build our house, but build your house. Be about your priorities, not just serving our own. God, I, God, I trust that as we do that, our lives, we come closer to yours. You'll give us satisfaction. You'll bring us hope. You'll bring us joy. You'll give us peace. But God, ultimately, we'll get to be near our Father who loves us and would do whatever it takes to be just that, a good dad. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. We're going to close in this last song as we have transitioned um, with an offering that would be on you without passing, pass, passing buckets. And, uh, and what we felt like it oftentimes being something for our guests that stares at this big, massive, like Home Depot-looking bucket. Um, we just want to say, if you're a guest, you just want to be our guest, and if you're a part of this family, we ask that you would just provide and be responsible for whatever God's led you to do to make his house and his name famous. So I want you to stand as we close in this last song.